Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, snowflakes. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm 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 all right. I'm pretty good. I'm I'm enjoying my new freedom. I've been been down the beach. I've uh, been to a rock concert. Went went to the pub. Uh, yeah, it's all back to normal, really, isn't it? Well, not really. <laughs> uh, not really. No, no? <laughs> um, but you are you are allowed to go to the beach, aren't you? But not as we shall see the beach in Wales if you live in England. No, which, that's, uh, that's, will, that's right. Which we'll catch up to in Brexiteers of the Week, which is much later on. I haven't really been to the beach. I'm, I'm very much um, uh, using my common sense, uh, which is pretty much what the Prime Minister said, didn't he? Well, just use your common sense. See ya. Uh, that's yeah, pretty much do you think he should use his common sense initially? I think perhaps he should. But before we get to that, let me just remind our listeners that... Um, we will get to the news, but however, if you are waiting for us for the news, then please don't. We wouldn't normally say this in, in peacetime, um, but in these very strange times, um, we are recommending that you take your news from another source as well as us. Um, it could, yeah. be, could be the newspaper or the New European website, of course, or tune yeah. into the daily briefings. Um, if, you, if you've waited, uh, if you didn't watch Boris's speech on Sunday and you've waited for us for the news, then you're foolish. Um, but we might probably make more sense of it now than we could then, or perhaps not, I'm not sure. Um, but we will do the news, nonetheless. Um, we will also, of course, as always, crown a Brexiteer of the Week. Um, and I think there is a quiz again, Steve, am I right? We've got a quiz, we've got Brexiteer of the Week. Um, I've got lots of questions for you. I, uh, I need, I need, I need sorting it out. I need straightening up. Are we doing? My, are we doing my um, my one to one that we haven't got round to? Am I, is it? We're going to do it live. This is it. We're going to do it live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about a challenge you've ever come at work. That's how you dealt with it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that HR issue. What, do we need to go through that as well? <laughs> I think we should. Yeah. Okay. I tell you what. I, I am completely reeling with shock that after Boris Johnson told those businesses in Northern Ireland during the election campaign, that there wouldn't be any checks on goods crossing the Irish Sea after Brexit. It now turns out that the government has said that there will be checks on goods that's right. Uh, We've had some. The we, after breakfast. It's amazing, isn't it? It is, and we, it, we have actually had some Brexit news this week. We haven't had a great deal uh, amid everything yeah. else that's been going on, but we have had some this week, and it's as confused as the coronavirus messaging, frankly, isn't it? Yes, I mean that's. He said. If you get any extra paperwork, 
phone me up and I'll I'll tell them to throw all of that in the bin. And that and now his, the government have sent a letter to the to Stormont to the executive office in Stormont saying that there are going to be three border control posts in Belfast, Warren Point, and Larne. Um, so it, it, turn, it turns out that he was lying and talking rubbish. Amazing, isn't it? It is, but not entirely unexpected, uh, I, I no. fear. Um, what about... What about... Well, there's a couple of things going on, isn't there? I, I, we can talk about the, the sort of the farce of, of how the lockdown was... Uh, the, the, the lockdown easing, slight easing, was introduced last week. Yeah. Um, on Sunday night, and and then um, and then on, on clarified on Monday, but not really clarified brilliantly well. But there now seems to be a bit of a a sort of a thing of well, the, the, the message, the, the use your common sense messaging. We've got Jacob Rees-Mogg telling MPs that they should show an example to the country and return to Parliament. We've got Isabel Oakeshott, who um, is a, a right-wing journalist and the partner of the, the Brexit Party's chairman, Richard Tice, um, who is saying that teachers should um, teachers should go back to school. She, she was tweeting, it's, it's thousands of teachers will clap for the NHS on Thursday nights. It's time for teachers to show the same bravery. Millions of children now need teachers to step up. It does feel like this messaging has, has sort of, gone from this is the government's responsibility to now it's your responsibility and and if you you know i'm kind of wondering how you feel about all of this well you think mps should be back in parliament for a start and do you think teachers should be back it's a it it, i mean i think i've made quite clear about my my views on on schools going going back some and um and you know i question just like you being harassed by our readers I do get that on Twitter. Um, I don't I, think it's an example of. I mean, you. Well, let you, me just you, let me just you, you, let me let me. Well, it's let me, not an example. Of, it's not about bravery, is it? No, 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 no. Let me let me let me let me perhaps expand on my position, and and of course, positions change. Um, my view about schools was that we were we were bounced into that decision because of public opinion. The science wasn't really there. Um, I stand by that. Um, I stand by that that decision may have been rushed at the time. However, it was made, and children are not in school, and we're talking about getting them back in 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 phases. And I think that is a, a correct conversation to be having. However, however, one of my concerns is the fears of parents, um, because you know we we haven't really got any. Any further clarity, in my opinion, on on the the risks or indeed not the risks, and I can't see a massive point in 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 in, in sort of changing lockdown with regards to schools anytime soon. Listen, I've got three children; I would love them to be back in school because I'm worried about their education more than anything else. Mm. Um, but equally, if I was a teacher, I would be very very concerned about going back um, because. Well, you're going to be around other adults. Um, ch- children uh, may have the virus and be the, the um, more likely to be asymptomatic. As far as I'm aware, I'm no expert, but that is certainly what I've read. So there are a lot of things happening here, and and simply saying to teachers, "Off you go, go and be brave," is is a, a ludicrous view. I mean, that's a, a very simple, you know, a simplistic view of of what happens. Teachers and 
um, and doctors and nurses have got very very different jobs. And um, you know, if we're if we're saying teachers need to stand up, then why not bankers? Why not journalists? Exactly. Why not why not anyone? Um, so the comparison is ludicrous. Isabel Oakshot once again has proved herself to be fairly ludicrous. Um, and I, I certainly don't stand by that, even though perhaps I might be seen as a bit hawkish with regards to getting schools back. I, I think schools should be the very first thing, when safe, um, to, to go back, because I think a generation of children and young people are, are, are potentially missing out, and that breaks my heart. Um, but mm. but, it, but safety measures do have to be put in place, and asking a four-year-old, of which I have one, to social distance from anything, whether it be another school pupil or he need a dog turd that he sees at the side of the road as he's walking down it, is impossible. So that is not going to happen. School kids are not going to socially distance. And even teenagers aren't going to do I mean, it's just not feasible. So I don't know what the answer is. I wish I did. What I hope and I believe is that um, the government and, and schools are doing the very best to get back. I don't think teachers want to be away from school. Um, you know, yeah. I don't buy this nonsense that, teachers are enjoying an extra holiday that's utter nonsense i also got some stick for saying that um summer school holidays should be um should be cancelled i'm not necessarily saying that teachers shouldn't get their holiday entitlement i think there's way around it to ensure that the school year lasts longer and there are different classes in and different teachers in etc etc right i'm not suggesting necessarily that all schools go back and the whole summer is cancelled um but you know i i just think that we need to be potentially thinking a little bit more creatively around how we get schools back when it's safe yeah. I don't, we haven't we, listen we're not there yet are we we're not there yet no no and um but but that should be right at the top of the tree of get i mean that should have been way before garden centers if you ask me um, yeah but it's you know, almost as it's good that education is almost as important as garden centers almost as important what, as garden centers what yeah. about the idea that that mps should show an example and return to Parliament. I mean, that seems to me to be equally ludicrous. Yeah, I, you know, I, you've got you've got quite a lot of well, you've got a few over seventies in there, haven't you? Jeremy Corbyn oh, being, being yeah, one of plen- them. Plenty. They are they are packed tightly in there. You know, there's not really much opportunity for social distancing. In you know, even if they said, well, there's only a certain number of people allowed in the chamber at one time. Um, it, it, you know. It, it's, the House of Commons itself is like a rabbit warren, isn't it? It's, it's uh, yes, you know, just a bit. Yeah, I mean, the um, thing with this is, I even, think like, in, even in Portcullis House, which is which is next to it, the the, the MPs' rooms are actually where you know where. I mean, they usually have two or three people in there with them. Their parliamentary team, and yeah, they're small yeah, rooms yeah, as well, yeah. aren't they? Well, I mean, the Portcullis House ones are the ones that um, there's always this. Strange thing that new MPs tend to want an office in the actual palace because they think, "Whoa, yeah, I want to be in," and and they're often shocked that they can get one so easily. And then they're given it, and they yeah. realise why it's like a cupboard, um, and yeah. they've got to cram three staff into it. And by the end of their first term, they're all desperately trying to get the offices in Portcullis House, which are much nicer, much bigger, um, and have lots of natural light. But still, yeah. they're not big. I mean, they're we're not, not big, we're no. not talking. Um, sort of Wall Street corner offices here. These these places are not, not big at all. My view on MPs is that I think the best example they could be setting is if they can work from home, that they should be. Um, you know, that is what most companies, I think, are saying um, and, you know, most responsible companies should be saying if you, if you can work from home 
Um, safely, then don't come into the office. If you if you if you can't do your job, then we'll try everything we can to from home. We'll try everything we can to um, to, to to help you out with that. I mean, I think that there is an argument for having Boris and Keir in the in the chamber, um, and, and maybe some ministers taking questions in the chamber. But there's absolutely no need to get 650 people back in that back in that um, that palace anytime soon. And mm. as much as I like the bear pit and I like the fighting and I like the debate and the row, even though a lot of people I know um, don't and prefer it as it is now. Me included, yeah. I like yeah, and I, can, and I, see, I can see why. But th- there's no question that it's working. Um, you know, we've seen... I was very lucky to take in a bit of the agriculture bill debate yesterday afternoon. And, um, and it, it's, it's working. You know, the questions are coming through. There's not... Masses of technical glitches. Um, if anything, it's, it, it, the debate is probably a bit more forensic uh, now than it was before. So I don't see any reason. And to say, I mean, language is so emotive, isn't it? Language like set an example. It's just sort of macho nonsense. If you don't need well, to, if is. you don't need to travel to London, don't travel to London. Um, yeah, and actually, I mean that's that's how I feel. MPs, you know, it's, it's really difficult. Uh, well, no MPs should be should be um, f- following the government's advice, which is don't go to work unless you can't do your work from home, um, and oh, they right. and they can. So, no, I think it would be stupid. I think, in fact, it'd set the, completely the wrong example. It would say, well, it's safe, we can all go back, we can all pile on a bus, we can all do this, we can all do that, and we cannot, you know, that is the that is the issue. So, no, I mean, again, not surprisingly, Jacob Rees-Mogg is talking nonsense. Um, and it sort of, it seems to tie in with this idea of restarting football again, doesn't it? This idea that footballers have earned so much money that they should put their personal safety aside in order to, you know entertain the public um, and distract the public from, from what is going on. It just it just seems to me to be um, complete lunacy all, all round. The opium um, of the masses, eh? Well, exactly. I've seen a lot of people on social media recently saying, I am now working from home. I'm doing loads of remote meetings. People are getting used to not being on the roads or doing business on, you know... Having meetings, you know, which require a great deal of train travel, and people are starting to say, "Do you not think we should cancel HS two and all of that massive spend because of this?" What's your What's your take on that? Well, um, <clears throat> I am a supporter of uh, infrastructure spending um, for for numerous reasons, so I'm not sure I'd go as far as to say cancel HS two. Um, I think we. I think there will be more reliance on um, on the kind of technology that we've been um, we, we you know we, we've been forced to use um, in the in the past few months. I think that you know it works by and large. I think um, I mean me and you were in meetings fairly often, and I don't think apart from that embarrassing moment where you stood up and you had no trousers on, I think it, it generally is is fine um, and. So yeah, I think I think that companies will use that more and more. But um, what yeah. what I would what I would say is, um, if you could turn the TV down in the background, there, Steve, that would be uh, handy. Um, yeah, what I would say is that people, humans, are sociable creatures, and I, I'm not. <laughs> I said humans. 
<laughs> and I think that, you know, there is going to come a point where we are going to want to, hopefully, God, I've got my fingers crossed so tightly, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But I do miss seeing my colleagues in the office. You know, we're in a, we, yeah. we're in a creative industry, and I was talking to one of my reports this morning, and, and, and he, he was saying, you know, it's all working fine. The only thing I miss is when I'm working on a, an intro for a new story or a, or a headline or something, usually I just throw it out there and see if anyone's got any ideas. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, some of that is done sort of by committee and often it is done by committee in order to make it better. And I think that is true of lots of industries, um, you know, from design to, uh, you know, wh- whatever. And I think that we will, probably slower than we perhaps first imagined, go back to the office but we won't be as frightened of not being in the office um because i think as we once were as we once were yeah because bosses have always wanted to have their you know i had i remember a news a news editor years ago explaining why he didn't want his reporters to work from home and he said because he wanted them on little bits of elastic you know so he'd let the elastic out and then he'd just pull it and they'd ping back when Mm. when he when he you know when he needed them or he was wasn't entirely sure what they were doing now technology is has caught up and people can easily work from home and if uh, and you know if they're not trustworthy enough to be working from home then the question's got to be are they trustworthy enough to have the job in the first place but i think that you know the vast vast majority of people this view that people were working from home and had their feet up and were watching coronation street coronation street in the afternoon or whatever it's just not true um certainly in you know in in, in our business i've seen uh, some incredible uh, pieces of journalism going on from from people's kitchen tables and from back bedrooms and things. It it, it just isn't the case because most people, um, you know, aren't aren't trying to swing the light. They're they're trying to they want to do their job, and that is true everywhere. So, I think more people will work from home in the future. But I don't see this as the completely the death of the office. Um, so I think th- you know if we start thinking, oh, should we? get rid of links from the north to the south that would have actually weren't just about commuting, they were about all kinds of other things as well. And you've got to think of all the construction jobs and all the other things that go into making infrastructure projects worthwhile. I'd just rather the money was spent on something that will create wealth in the long term than whatever else, you know, and um so no i wouldn't i wouldn't look to be cancelling and i don't think the government are i think they're they're if anything looking no. to spend on infrastructure but i, well, I, I, I mean, say I think, I think it's a worthy question absolutely well it's a good i mean it's a good question and and you can see where it comes from because you know they've spent about 55 billion so far and there's another you know 50 billion to come potentially um so and, and you know when you look at the figures that that the chancellor was talking about yesterday about how much this is going to cost us, you know the the, the chance to save fifty billion that there looks quite looks quite tempting. But of course, you know there's so many things are already in train. So many compulsory compulsory purchase orders have already gone through and things have been bought. So many buildings are being knocked down. So much land is being redeveloped. It it, it just seems like. I mean, it would be extremely hard to stop now and tidy up. The, the cost of tidying up alone would, would, would surely run into, into you know, hundreds of millions or, or, or billions. So, yeah. so you know, I can't, um, I, I can't quite, uh, I, I can't quite see that that stopping. Um, shall we talk about the the whole farce of how the lockdown <coughs> easing was um, was uh, was was 
unveiled to us in this sort of yeah. haphazard way. Yeah, and we've been critical about the messaging coming out of the government um, pretty much from the start, I think, with with this. And, and I think really it, hit a, it really did hit a new low on, on Sunday evening. I think this started um, at the beginning of the week previous where... Um, you know, Boris, just, just back from being ill, really, was keen to show that he was back in charge, wanted to make a statement to the public. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was initially touted that he would speak on the, on the Thursday evening, um, and, and then that was, went back to the Sunday, and, the, and the, the, sort of, the reasoning behind that was that the SAGE um, advice would be uh, presented to government on the, on the Thursday, <clears throat> and quite understandably, it would take them a few days to digest that and and uh, to to start putting plans in place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the Sunday seemed to make sense at that point. However, as um, uh, Boris uh, announced that he would speak on the Sunday in the House, Lindsay Hoyle made a very good point and said, "You know, actually, this should be before the House first. Yeah. Um, and Boris Johnson said, "Well." You know these aren't normal circumstances, and you know we think we should tell the tell the public first, and then we can debate it on Monday in the House. <clears throat> and Lindsay Hoyle said, "Okay, but in future, these things really should be debated in the House, uh, and quite and quite rightly." And I think perhaps it was a the, the government were keen to give us some good news, and then on Thursday, as we discussed last week, of course. Um, on the pod, there was all kinds of um, headlines. Crazy front pages. Yeah, Happy, Happy Monday. Monday and Magic Monday and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and lots of us, wild um, claims about some of the stuff we were going to be able to do sooner rather than later. The government immediately <laughs> moved away from that, which is confusing because one, whatever you think of the tabloid media, they ain't just sat there making this stuff up. The, the belief that newspapers just simply make stuff up is... Incorrect. So if you believe that, you're wrong. This stuff is coming from somewhere. Um, yeah. Is it sensationalised? Is it sexed up? It can be. But it's not just, let's just sit around scratching our heads and see what nonsense we can make up. That is just simply not true. Um, both me and Steve have worked at a reasonably senior level in editorial organisations uh, at a national level, and this it just isn't the case. And also, a lot of the papers had the same thing. So someone from inside government, fairly senior, was was feeding that stuff. Now, what I'm led to believe is that the 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 cabinet is is actually Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock aside, quite hawkish about undoing lockdown and about getting back getting the economy back on track and, and lifting stuff. Yeah. So you do wonder if that hasn't come actually from number ten, um, but but has come from. Some, you know, somewhere else within cabinet, whether or not a cabinet minister, then one of their aides, or you know, and maybe this is what we're discussing, and it's been taken as read. So the government then sort of disassociated themselves with it. And I even saw some MPs on Twitter going, "Well, this hasn't come from government." Well, sod off. Yes, it did. By Sunday, um, I was in. <clears throat> I was. I you know, poured over the Sunday papers on Sunday morning, and it had been very much toned down by that point. Um, as to what we were going to get, you know, again, garden centres. I don't think I've ever spoke about garden centres so much in my entire life um, as I have in the last eight weeks. But Do gar- any of these garden centres have bars in them? That's what I want to know. 
Maybe. I have been to garden centres that have got cafes that are sort of yeah, open, but I'm not the sure they're open yet. I think the cafes are shut, aren't they? I think if they you are, want to buy some yeah. seedlings, that's the place that, to that's go. That's the but kind if, of thing. Um, but, but if you want the Carlsberg <laughs> Special Brew, other beers, or better beers are available. <laughs> Carlsberg um, Special Brew is not often drunk in bars, Steve. It's, it's not often, or, gar- <laughs> or frankly, garden centres, <laughs> or motorways. No, it, it's, motorway it's more often station. drunk in alleyways, I think. Um, yes, it has. Oh, no, I've knocked my can of Carlsberg Special Brew. <laughs> Over there. <laughs> um, well, so, uh, but by which point I started thinking, well, what actually is Boris Johnson going to tell us this evening? Mm. Um, and the way these sort of things work is that you get a sniff of it from from number 10. So at about four o'clock, um, a, a, a sort of, these are going to be the main points email um, under embargo landed in my on my smartphone. And I, I sort of looked through and I thought, well, that can't be it. I mean, surely not. Um and about an hour later, the full speech dropped. So I read through the whole thing. And I thought, this is not going to go down well. This is confused. Um, it's, this is, you know, the, the, the biggest question that everyone is on everyone's lips is, when can I see my family? When can I see my friends? When can I see my loved ones? None of that is addressed in here. I was very confused upon reading, and even more confused when I watched it, about this... Um, public transport thing. I mean, we'd got a sniff of that um, in the days previous, of course, but <clears throat> this suggestion that, okay, so we're asking people to, we're asking the public transport providers to be ready and, and you know, and, and be ready to yeah. take people back to work, but but don't use public transport. What? I yeah, mean, that's right. And then, and then Boris spoke, and I didn't think he delivered it particularly badly. It wasn't in the delivery. That wasn't the issue. The issue was that the message was, was muddled. Um, and it just didn't. Uh, it, it, trying to pick anything out of it was was really tough, you know. Um, obviously, there was some confusion over Monday or Wednesday. I mean, he did mention Wednesday in the in the in the in the speech, but there had been talks of Monday prior to that, so there was confusion over that. Um, and I think from starting from those headlines on the Thursday through to the Monday, was just an utter shambles. You know, we had police telling us that people were arriving at beauty spots over the weekend and saying, well, lockdown's been lifted, what's the problem? Um, you know, people actually thought that. Mm. And then, you know, by... Monday, Monday morning was complete, completely chaotic. You know, I was I was getting phone calls from all over the place. Going, you know, I had one MP rang me and said, I don't understand this. And I've got to defend it. Really? Wow. I don't understand. He, he, he said, so as far as I can tell, I can drive to Newcastle, fill my car up probably three, you know, three times on the way, get a takeaway on the way back, um, but but I'm not allowed to sit in my parents' garden and stay two metres away from them. Um, which, which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think you have understood it right. And then when you dig even deeper into it, we got the 50-page document on Monday, and obviously... Um, I got it about an hour before um, uh, sort of Boris stood up, maybe, maybe two hours before Boris stood up, and and you're flicking through it and thinking, well, nannies can go back to work, childminders can go back to work, cleaners can go back to work, but again, I can't go and see my mum in her own garden, but I can see her on a park bench as long as we're two metres apart. What I mean, it, it, the nonsense of it um, is just. <sighs> The whole thing left everyone in a spin. I think what they wanted us to focus on was these, um, you know, the the COVID alert system. I think I think there's some there's some um, 
interesting thinking behind that because at least the public it's a bit like the terror alert thing and people understand that it's quite a simplistic way to say this is the stage we're in i think some some of the weird maths behind it is a bit odd but um but anyway well um, i just thought it was very strange where this where where he said look here is my amazing new covid alert level system it's really clear you know five is really bad and one is really good and we're currently at three point five. <laughs> you didn't mention anything about Hull. <laughs> yeah, it's you, all you know? and the, the graphics sort of wavered in between four and five. It, didn't it? it wavered in between, <laughs> and then you had this brilliant thing, didn't you? Where um, where he said, um, you know, he, he sort of said we're measuring this out of five now, and then he he, he showed a slide which was then retweeted, <laughs> which said COVID alert level is equals R brackets, rate of infection, plus number of infections. And he'd already told us that the R was 0.6, and we already knew that the number of um, infections that day were 219,183. So it meant that the COVID alert level was 219,183.6 out of five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that seems quite like to me out of five. <laughs> Yeah, there was a brilliant tweet actually at the end of I think it was the end of Monday or beginning of Tuesday, which was a, a mad day for me because I was trying to get my head around it. I was, you know, trying trying to explain it to to the general public and, and not fully understanding it myself. And in the end, just ended up writing a piece going, uh, I, don't, I don't know either. Um, and I think you know Boris sort of in the end just throwing his hands up in the air and go, oh, just bloody use your common sense. You know that isn't the sort of messaging that we need right now. And uh, everyone's got different levels of common sense. Um, but it was a great tweet by a chap that I'm going to uh, read out, if if not in full, um, some some bits of it. A, a, a chap called um, uh, Russ in Cheshire. I don't know if you saw this, Steve. Um, but in he, Cheshire. But he listed um, on a on a on a short thread. Some of the things that had changed, which sort of went into the chaos. So he said, in the last 24 hours, government ministers have, one, accidentally made it illegal to drive to Wales, which is brilliant, isn't it? We're not allowed to drive to other... Stated wrongly that COVID-19 is in the water supply. Now, I missed that one, but I'll take his word for it. Um, yes, they th- did say that. Yeah, three Boris, mi- Johnson, Boris Johnson said that, and then he clarified that he... Clarified, um, that he um, yeah, he clarified it, but not in a very clear way because i can't explain what you meant three made it easier to see other people's parents than your own uh, yep. four issued guidance about business that the london chamber of commerce have instructed us to ignore five issued <laughs> guidance about lockdown that three of the four nations of the union have instructed us to ignore six released advice top experts were not given a chance to review or approve seven said the announcement had to be on a sunday so it could start monday then said they meant wednesday um Eight, uh, then said we must go to work. Ten, then said we must not travel to work. Um, then blamed the public for not understanding them, which there were definitely was definite hints of that sort of exasperation. Why don't you understand this? Um, then yep. appeared on TV to explain the rules, got them wrong, had to be corrected by Piers Morgan. <laughs> yep. um, and then appealed, appeared in Parliament to explain the rules, got them wrong, and had to be corrected by the opposition. And that is pretty much, I think, a, a sort of 12, 13-point guide to um, 48 hours of utter, utter chaos when the nation needed clarity, simple, clear rules. And actually, the whole... The whole of that messaging would have been much easier if Boris Johnson had started right at the top of that speech going, not much is going to change because we're not ready yet. R is down Mm. below 1. That's good news. We've got to keep it there. That's why we're not changing very much at all because actually 
we haven't changed very much at all. It's not a huge lifting of lockdown, and yet people seem to believe it is because there's been a kind of round of applause for us. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is yeah. that we ain't there yet. There's more pain to come, um, and, uh, you know, that would have been a far clearer message. You know, don't dash off to work. Don't dash to the supermarket more than once a week like you have been doing. You know, yes, all right, yeah. you can exercise a bit more. I think that's a, a fairly sensible thing. Um, yes, you know, it is, yeah. But but all this confusing stuff about who you can meet in a park and who you can't meet in a park and what you can do in a park and what you can't do in a park is just muddying the waters. Um, and I don't see how... As much as you I should never muddy the waters in a park, by the way. If there is a lake, <laughs> don't do that. That would be terrible. It would. Um, it would. I like the one where they said, um, I think it's in the clarifications. They, they they sort of said you can you can play sport from somebody from outside your household, but you have to stand two meters apart. And the <laughs> the sports that they gave yeah. as an indication were, were golf. Yeah, that seems fine. Tennis. That's yeah. got a big net. It has, yeah. Badminton, yeah. that's got a big net. And yeah. and basketball. <laughs> now, if you're playing basketball mm. with another person, mm. I, I, it, you know, one-on-one basketball is, is quite hard to play, isn't it, if you're two metres apart? I just wonder whether they got somebody to Google. He just went, oh, just Google sports that use nets. <laughs> And we'll, and we'll just put that in. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. may, maybe. I, I mean, yes. I mean, for someone who's absolutely loving the last dance on Netflix, the Michael Jordan biopic. Yeah. Um, biopic, well, maybe that was right, it. It's a documentary. Maybe he was um, just getting off on that. But but they're definitely not two metres apart. You know, it can be quite a brutal sport, basketball, actually. It's not really a physical well, contact not, sport. But... You're not two metres apart if you're on the same team, are you? But if you're playing basketball against somebody else, how can you stand two metres away? What are you going to do? Just watch them shoot and then, yeah, and then swap. They, and then they hand you, then get the basketball, and then you shoot. I mean, it's, anyway. So, um, it's nonsense. So, yeah. It's absolute nonsense. It is nonsense. I also, I mean, there's, there's did you, I mean, they, they, they sort of hinted that barbers could go back to work on July the 4th and cinemas could open the same day. And I'm just wondering whether you could have saved time by getting a haircut while you were watching a film. Because they're idea. talking about, you know, aren't they? They're talking about leaving empty rows, aren't they, between people. So maybe you could have the barber in the row behind you while you were watching the, you know, whatever whatever film comes out next, the Avengers um, uh, 27 or whatever it is. Somebody could be working away. And then I thought... You know, right now, when we can't go to the barbers and everybody's... My own hair is looking ridiculous. I've seen your hair. It is, we're all looking quite <laughs> absurd, aren't we? And I'm thinking, if, if now, if he observed social distancing by standing really far back, as far back as he could, and then leaning forward and only using the tips of his fingers, could you get a haircut now from Edward Scissorhands? Yeah, I think that, I think that might work. Although I'm not sure I'd want Johnny Depp cutting my hair. Well, it's you know, it's in the papers at the moment, isn't it? So, um, so yeah, so um, I, I was, you know, I mean, as a fan of David Lynch, I was quite, <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed Boris Johnson's <laughs> bizarre press conference. Yes. It's only a shame he didn't do it 
sort of back <laughs> while talking backwards, you know, and uh, dressed as the little dwarf. Um, that would have been maybe that's actually, and we we did discuss this earlier on um, uh, this week about um, you know I do think that the 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 com the comms to this is a di- listen. These are human beings. This is a really treat. I'm not saying I could do it any better. It's easy to be a commentator. It's easy to um, it, hindsight and all those kinds of things. But the fact is that the country needs clear um, yeah. uh, messaging, and that's just the full stop. It just needs to. It just needs to be really bloody good, and it's not. Um, and I do wonder if there needs to be someone else brought in um, at, at the very top of the of the, the comms tree, number ten, just to. To help, because I don't think they're getting it right at the moment, and I think, um, you know, Boris Johnson has always got by with bluster and 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 big sweeping statements and things, and more and more, and we saw it again. I thought Keir was superb again in Prime Minister's yep. Question Time this week. He, he, you know, he's he's having a good war, is Keir, and um, I, you know, I was I was expecting that. You know, I'm I'm a fan of Keir, but the um, but but I do I do worry. I'm not worried about the Conservative government. I'm not worried about Boris Johnson. Um, I, but what I am worried about is people getting the wrong message, and I think if your message is simply use your common sense, um, that that ain't good enough, and that is that is pretty much what the you know what 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 it was this week. Um, it, it it was just all over the place. It was utter chaos, utter chaos. My my yeah. here's my view: if if you don't have to change what you're doing, don't. <laughs> you know? Well, that could have been it. He could have basically said that. If you don't have to change what you're doing, you're doing a good job. You're sacrificing lots of things. And, and for that, we are immensely grateful. The NHS hasn't been overwhelmed. Um, the R rate has gone down. Yes, tragically, lots and lots of people have lost their lives. Yes, tragically, this epidemic is now taken hold in care homes and we're doing our best to try and sort that out as well. You know, Yes, there is going to be lots of things that we can learn from this. Um, but that's for another day. What we're doing today is asking you to carry on for a little bit longer at least and let's see where we are in two or three weeks time and hopefully that if you if you suffer for a little bit longer we'll be out of this quicker um Mm. i I do worry you know my second biggest concern after people's health is the economy and i my you know my my biggest worry is that with if that r it does get back up and if there is another spike whether it is um, across the whole nation, or whether in just one region, uh, then then we will end up not with this um, not with this hopeful V or U shaped recovery, this sort of bounce back, but by a much um, a much longer trend of da- you know of, 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 of downward trend, and and I'm also a little bit concerned about these potential regional lockdowns because you know what will happen with a regional lockdown? It will be the regions where people. Um, rely on a robust economy the most. Um, you know, we well, s- it will, and that, and that is because that's just the way it always is. Brexit um, will, we, we'll, you know, will people people in in poorer regions will suffer more because of Brexit. And I dare say that if there is a spike, it'll be in the northeast or in you know parts of Yorkshire, Liverpool, etc., where there is lots of poverty. They'll be locked down again. Um, so you know, I have grave concerns as well about locking down certain areas of the country and allowing others to steal a march a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if that's the best way to do it for for humans. It might be the best way to do it for the economy, but I'm not sure it's the best way to do it for those humans involved. And so that concerns me as well. I, I just think that I just think that it was uh, it was muddled. It wasn't thought through enough. I don't think anyone's. There's no great conspiracy here. 
you know, the Tories aren't doing this because they're thinking, um, oh, we're going to be richer than you poor lot after this. That kind of stuff's for Twitter and just ignore it. That is not true. But there, um, there has been, as time goes by, there are, there are more and more missteps. I didn't, however, and credit where it's due, think that um, Rishi Stunak made any missteps on uh, on Wednesday. No, and, he and, didn't. Uh, and and uh, sorry, on Tuesday, I thought that the the um, the continuing the furlough scheme and being very clear actually about the fact that in August they would look to maybe reduce it and to start getting people back into work part time, but still being part time furloughed as well. It all seemed very clear and speaking to, spoke to lots and lots of businesses um, after that on Tuesday and, and subsequently in the week and, and you know, roundly uh, welcomed. And I was on a webinar, in fact, on, on Tuesday um, with a lot of business leaders um, and they, were, they really were praising the support and the grants and, you know, and, and were quite understanding that at times it's taken a bit longer than it should to come through. You know, they were saying... Once we knew it was coming through, we could, we could, um, you know, we, we could absorb the the fact that it might take a bit longer than it would because we understand that there are humans yeah. involved that have to do something completely different, and that getting these things in place is, is potentially tricky. So they were very understanding about that. So I think number eleven is coming out of this very well. Number ten, not so much. Not so well. And um, but but I also enjoyed Rishi Sunak's probably first misstep when he accidentally voted against the government and the agriculture bill on Wednesday. That was good. <laughs> that was very funny. I enjoyed that a he's lot. He's a rebel. He really uh, is. He's, yes, he's rebelling. It's quite, I mean, <clears> you <throat> know, to, the government have got an awful lot of these of this wrong and there will be a reckoning for that and hopefully there'll be a, you know, it'll be reflected at the next election and there'll certainly be a, a public inquiry on how to do this. And they were, they were very slow to react and then they've, then they've reacted badly. They have been unlucky with a couple of things. You know, they, they bought a lot of antibody test kits just as the antibody test kits were, were proven not to work. They, they, I mean, last week we were talking about the PPE they bought from Turkey, which turned out not to be suitable. So in, in searching for solutions, they have on occasion been unlucky. The, the messaging is one of the few things that the government can control. And, and the messaging so far has been um, awful. And, and last week it was completely abysmal. Yes, um, yes, I think we can all agree on that. Shall we do a little quiz? Oh, yes, please. Booth? This is my favourite bit, yeah. Uh, okay, have you got your pen and paper ready? I have, here is. If you're, if you're playing at home... Um, when do we get the home, answers? I'm going to do the answers before Brexiteer of the week. Okay, all right, all right, good. Okay, uh, and this is a quiz, a short five-question quiz about political middle names. <laughs> and right. question one is your mate Keir, who you love. I do. What What is Keir Starmer's middle name? And I'm going to give <clears> you <throat> I'm going to give you a multiple choice for this question. Yeah. Uh, is Keir Starmer's middle name? Is it Derek? Is it Rodney? Or is it Albert? Okay. What is Keir Starmer's middle name? Is it Derek, Rodney, or Albert? Question two, the American president, Harry S. Truman, what was the S in Harry S. Truman short for? Oh, okay. Question three, which American politician's middle name is Robinette? Robinette? Which American politician's middle name is Robinette? Robinette. It is exactly, spelled exactly as it sounds, Robin right, with right. A, well, an S on the end. I'll have to guess that one, I think. 
Uh, question four. What was Winston Churchill's middle name? Uh, for a clue, it was also the real first name of James Callahan. Oh. Oh. Ah. All right. Yeah. Okay. And question five. What middle name linked Dennis Healy, Nicholas Soames, and one of the Beatles? What links Dennis Healy, Nicholas Soames, and one of the Beatles? And I will give you the answers to that before Brexit of the week. I had some, um, I had some uh, quick quiz success this week. I've won quite a lot of quizzes during lockdown. Oh, yeah, good. I do like a quiz. Um, although good. there is one quiz I told you about last week that is I'm doing with younger people, which I just can't win at all. Oh, yeah. In fact, I stormed out of it. Um, You did. Was it about Gogglebox? It was about, well, no, it was, uh, I don't know, people from from somewhere called Towie, which I think is... um, Towie. Is it Towie in... Towie in Essex somewhere or something, I don't know. Um, Towie, it's in Wales, isn't it? It's one of the places we can't go to. (laughs) The beautiful mining village of Towie. (laughs) Um, so, uh, but, yeah. but I did have some success because um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is back on our screens, isn't it, this it week? It is, yeah. Now, I didn't watch it, but I was asked, and someone got to the million-pound question. And, and, yes, and he t- did get to the million-pound question. I won't spoil it in case you've recorded it or whatever. But, well, the, um, Daily Mail, the Daily Mail said he bottled it. He bottled it, right. Well, for half a million quid, I don't blame him. But I well, was exactly, and I, I think you know, he, he thought he knew the right answer. He didn't really know it, and he thought, "I've got five hundred grand here, and I could go down to thirty-two. Is it thirty-two thousand? I don't know, maybe down to or sixty-four thousand. So I think he probably did the right thing. I think he probably did, and he walked away with half a million quid, and good for him. I got both. I didn't watch it, but I got both the asked afterwards by by a colleague. I got both the five hundred thousand and the million pound question right, so I would have been a very rich man. Did you really? That's yeah. very good. I got yeah. the five hundred thousand one right, um, and the the million pound one, which again I won't, I won't spoil if you've not seen it, but I, it would have that would have been my fourth. That was the would have been the one that I eliminated first. Oh really? Um, ah, I tell you what. Talking about who wants to be a millionaire recently, when the um, coffee major stuff was was up, and that they had that. It was called Quiz, wasn't it? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. TV dramatisation, um, which had Martin Sheen in it and, and the guy who's so good in, in succession. Um, and the brilliant actress, and I'm really sorry, I'm not really good with names. Fleabag Ooh, Sister. Yeah, Fleabag Sister, she's brilliant. Fleabag Sister and the, the uh, what's he called, Matthew, oh, I can't remember. Uh, he's married to Keely Hawes, isn't he? And he's great in succession, which is a great show if you've not seen it. Um uh, so and they so they had and somebody had made a, a a game a Twitter game of all of the the fifteen questions that he had to answer, and and I I I, got, I knew them all straight away without hesitation, mm. and I just wondered whether I actually always knew those or whether at the time I had read the correct answers. But some of them were a bit obscure. I think the last two were. The last two were, were, you know, hard as they as they normally are. But yeah. some of them earlier on were, you know, from sort of eight in. They were they were real tough, and I, I, I knew all of them. But I was well, it was like, that Craig David one that was the uh, controversial one, wasn't it? Craig David, because he seemed, what do he you do on a Monday? He didn't seem to know the Craig David question, did he? And he went round and he said it's definitely not that, and then he finally came back and went, no, it's definitely that. He did um, say that. that that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was was that about born to do it or something like that. His album. What was his album called? I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
I wanted to talk about a little bit about Nigel Farage and, right. and our right-wing chums on manoeuvre. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen, before we get into Nigel Farage, I don't know whether you've seen uh, there are a, there is a, a group, a Facebook group, um, which appears to be launching a number of planned sort of sit-down protests in parks at the weekend yeah. across across Britain. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it looks to be, I mean, it looks to be launched by familiar people from the the far right, and um, I mean, I'm, let's not even call them Brexiteers. Um, but obviously, you know, these people are, are sort of, there's very little for them to do at the moment, isn't there, apart from sit in their houses and, um, you know, and um, and think about weird things. Um, and Nigel Farage's sort of new campaign is an example of that, I think. I mean, he, Nigel Farage, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, you know, based his, his shtick, he's going around doing rallies that you have to pay for to attend. Then he goes over, he's flown to America, quite lucrative um, speaking events and you know we were talking the other week about his one at a weird sort of religious american college and he goes over to cpac doesn't he which is the big conservative gathering yeah. and, and and you know he, he, that, that's kind of his gig his gig is based on uh travel and international travel and being mr brexit and now he's in his house um and he's hit on this weird thing of uh of um, well, we saw a couple of weeks ago, and, and he's had a visit from the police about this, hasn't he? He's been turning up in places like Dover and Hastings to shed light as a journalist on um, what he says is a, an emerging national scandal, um, which is that some small boats filled with asylum seekers are coming over from France and Belgium. Before I continue ranting about this. You know, what are your thoughts about this, apart from the obvious one, which is Nigel Farage's complete balance? Well, I, I mean, the, yes, that's the that's the obvious thought. I just think, I just think that the, there's never there's never a time to be. I don't think there should there's ever a time to beat up on vulnerable people. Um, no. And uh, this whole nonsense that people somewhere in in Eastern Europe go, everything's all right here, but it's a damn sight better in Britain. Um, you know, you get a free car when you arrive and you get a penthouse flat and you get benefits that mean you never have to work. I'm going to smuggle myself in the back of this lorry, go right across Europe, then I'm going to get on a dinghy and go across mm. 22 miles of water, um, w w one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world, by the way, and hope, hope to not get detected on the other side and scrap and live an underground life for the rest of my life. I'm going to leave... My life, because my life's already brilliant, but it can be even more brilliant. I'm going to put it at risk. It's just utterly nonsense. You know, anyone who's willing to go through that crap is is in a very, very bad place. Um, and I'm not suggesting that we should have open borders, but what I am suggesting is that um, I think, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nigel says something ridiculous like, um, the, the border force were, were helping them across or something. I mean, he said they were acting as a taxi service right, for illegal it, yeah. migrants. Right, so, um, you know, I will yeah. never, ever... One of the most shocking pictures, I think, ever taken, um, news pictures, you know, right up there with um, with uh, Kevin Carter's shot of the vulture next to yeah. the child who was, who was starving in a, um, in, a, in a famine. I think it was... Was it in Sudan, that famine? Anyway, 
Um, yeah. It wasn't Ethiopia, it was somewhere else. But, um, you know, right up there with a picture like that was, of course, the, the poor child who was in the, in the, in the surf um having having died uh i think that was in italy wasn't it was it in spain um when when migrants come across and the last thing yeah. the very last thing um we want to see on our coastline is is children young people or indeed anyone dying um so i don't know quite what nigel um thinks we should do about these people but turning them around in a deflating dinghy over what is a you know a pretty choppy stretch of water and sending them back is not the answer um and yeah. and by uh, trying to for reasons that are beyond me um it, you know get the f- lunatic fringe element behind him on stuff like this um d- discredits himself believe it or not <laughs> you know you wouldn't think he could do any more but he's managed it and but also just discredits political discourse uh, full stop and 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 also what I hoped that the coronavirus and everything that everyone's doing from, you know, average Joe in the street to to um, nurses who are saving prime ministers' lives, I hoped mm. there might be a little bit more compassion um, in the in the British public, and I think there probably is. Um, so I think I think Nigel is um, has got the has got the tone completely wrong and um i i think the sooner this really rather dangerous um rhetoric ends uh the better because uh, you yeah. know we, we we just don't, we don't need it ever but we certainly don't need it right now no i mean the, you know his, his pitch seems to be that two years ago the number of people who crossed from france and belgium by boat was about 650 then it more than you know it almost tripled uh last year it was 1850 um and now it looks like for this year you know we're at a thousand already and it looks like we might have sort of three thousand um and but the answer the reason why i mean there are there are numerous reasons why but the reason that it doubled or just tripled last year is that you know, Calais have become much more efficient at stopping these. The, the big refugee camps in, in Calais have been um, have, have been disbanded. Security has um, has improved. There is much much less chance now of stowing away on a boat or um, or a uh, in a, a lorry and stuff like that. And a lot more lorries are being turned back at, at the border. Um, and also there are fewer people there because the camps have, have been shut down. Then you look at coronavirus and you, you know, you, and you say, well, people who were in, in the South, in, around Calais and they were around and they've come from, um, they've come from whichever desperate country that they've sort of come from. Um, those people, you know, without work permits would be working in the, the shadow economy. They'd be working off the books um, in uh, in places that are now shut down, so and you know there's no safety net for those people. So, you know, so so why not? When somebody sidles up to you and says, "If you give me your savings, I can get you across to somewhere else where potentially you know this might not be happening," then I think a, a number of people are, are likely to take that up. But even a figure of three thousand does not suggest to me that this is. Well, he said it. This is a, the beginning of an invasion, and the government must get a grip on the scandal. Now, something that involves three thousand people, 
um, to me, is not a, is neither an invasion or, or a scandal. Um, the real scandal is obviously that these people are being exploited, and you know there are, there are numerous ways to tackle that, and, and incredibly sophisticated ways to, to, to tackle it. You know, there's all kinds of surveillance, electronic surveillance of people. There are people who are very brave who are working undercover with, you know, inside smuggling gangs to try and expose them. And the, you know, it, it strikes me that this crisis is going to be solved by them and not by some ruddy-faced idiot in corduroy trousers holding a reporter's notebook and pretending he's a journalist. He's an idiot. Um, he's, i tell you what, so, I, I was um, outraged many years ago, I was outraged when Colleen Rooney um, claimed, I think she tried to get a press card or something. because she, oh, yeah, she yeah was, that's right. Right, yeah. right. But do you know what? She's a thousand times more a journalist than Nigel Farage. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's just it, it's it, it's just uh, it just seems incredible to me. You know, he he mentioned three hundred attempted migrant boat crossings, and I oh that happened over a weekend, and I thought, well, that's quite a lot. That's a that's a flotilla, isn't it? Three hundred migrant boat crossings. That turned out to be, you know, that turned out to be three hundred de- individually desperate people. Quite a few of whom were stopped in France by French officials in the first place. Um, and, and as you said, you know, when he says our border force are acting as a taxi service for illegal migrants, well, I mean, what does he want us to do? Does he, you know, does he want us to turn people back in the sea um, on rickety, you know, rickety boats which might uh, deflate, as you said? Or does he want us to give safe passage to people to land wherever they like on the coast and then have to scramble to pick them up and do you know what I don't I, I don't I don't it, I, I really do want I don't I'm not sure I want to know the actual answer to what he wants well exactly yeah I did think that he might you know to save himself the bother of going down to to these places and traveling 100 miles from his home as he did the other day on a round trip um it is that he could um he could all the funds that he's got left from the Brexit party's deposits that um, that they got back when they didn't stand all those candidates when he bottled the election is that they could just commission a big angel of the South Coast, which would be a, a huge 20-metre high sculpture of Nigel Farage flicking the V um, into, uh, on, started on the, the White Cliffs of Dover, which I think you know would, would, um, would serve the purpose uh, completely well. Um, the, other thing, the other thing that's worth noting about this is that, of course, you know, he, he moans about the fact that of the last I think it's 2,800 people who've claimed asylum, who've been on boats and claimed asylum. Only 5% of them have been sent back to France or Belgium. And the, the reason for that, he said, this is scandalous. You know, they're just exhausting, the, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And, and it's, that's not true. The, the reason that they are getting, that they've not been sent back to France is that a lot of them are coming from places like Iran. And they are, yeah. you know, people who are... Well, against the regime, against the regime, maybe they're, they're part of the LGBT community. Maybe they are human rights campaigners. Maybe they are atheists. Maybe they're adulterers. You know, Iran is a textbook example of a country that you've got the right to flee and claim, claim asylum. Yeah. From. yeah so yeah. you know, so surprise, surprise, Nigel Farage is a complete arse. He really is. Um, okay. Well, we'll we'll try and lighten this up a little bit when we do Brexit of the week next. Exeter of the week. Welcome back, Steve. Uh, I think we can do quiz, quiz first. I've, I think Let's I've struggled the, on this. Let's do the quiz answer. Well, you got four out of five last week, didn't you? I did. Well, I'm not going to get chance. four out of five this week. Uh, in fact, one I haven't even got a full answer for. I think I'm somewhere close. But anyway, 
What is Keir Starmer's middle name? Is it Derek, Rodney or Albert? Not surprisingly, I do know this one. It's Rodney. It is correct, Rodney. Question two, what does the S in Harry S. Truman stand for? Now, I I don't know, but I think this is a bit of a trick question. Cause isn't it something to do with, like, a, I don't know if it's a... I don't think it really stands for anything. I think it's. I, I. I think is it something to do with his granddad? I've written here. Oh well, I don't know, but you're right. It doesn't actually stand for anything. His parents. Uh, his parents put his um, his name at birth down as Harry S. Truman. It is just S. Yeah. Say what it what it was, yeah, and then right. I think it became a family joke that his middle name was just S. S. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which which American politicians uh, has the middle name of Robinette? Well, I, I mean, this is completely a guess, but Sarah Palin? It is not Sarah Palin. It is hopefully the next president of the United States. It's Joe Biden. What? <laughs> and it was his Joe grandmother's... Joe Robinette Biden. Joe Robinette Biden. It was his grandmother's maiden name. His grandmother's family um, came from France and stayed. Um, so I'm presuming that Donald Trump will, will soon say that Joe Biden's an illegal uh, immigrant <laughs> and has to, has to be sent repatriated to Paris. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Robinette. Middle names um, are funny, aren't they? My my mum is um, is of Scottish heritage, and um, she took her maternal grandmother's middle name, and her name is my my mum's name is Mary, and her middle name is Ball B O L E Mary oh, really? Ball. Okay. But she um, the DVLA um, mistyped this many years ago. Um, so on all her DVLA documents, it was down as Makey M A K Y Boa, <laughs> as in as in a boa constrictor, Makey Boa. <laughs> Very good. And she just left it, and it stuck. People still call her Makey. Uh, well, my name is my name is Stephen because that is my mother's maiden name. And on next week's podcast, I'll be revealing other. Uh, potential passwords for my uh, bank <laughs> and, and email addresses. So if you tune in there, then that is um, then that is fine. Um, Joe Biden's old uh, boss, uh, Barack Obama. Um, while I was researching this, I saw a great quote from Barack Obama, who, who obviously was called Barack Hussein Obama, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and he said, "I got my." He used to open speeches by saying, "My name is Barack Hussein Obama." Um, I got my first name from my father and my middle name uh, from somebody who clearly never believed that I would run for president of the United States, which <laughs> apparently went down very well. Um, what was, question four, what was Winston Churchill's middle name? Um, it was also James Callahan's real first name. Again, I don't know. Is it is it Leonard or something like that? It is Leonard. Ah! Now, now, I Leonard James Callahan. Um, yes. Obviously, um, I didn't know James Callahan either. Uh, but um, Leonard James Callahan. But obviously, as a child growing up, we used to do quite a bit about Churchill in school, especially in junior school. Um, Sorry. And you know, I, I grew up thinking that Churchill's middle name was was Spencer because he was often referred to as yeah. Winston Spencer, Spencer Churchill. Churchill. But that's double barrel surname, isn't it? Yeah. But of course, Spencer Churchill is a double barrel surname, yeah. which was just edited. Um, in the same way that the MP Richard Drax, do you know this? No. Richard Drax's surname, is, yeah. he's a, Richard Drax MP is actually called Richard Plunkett hyphen uh, Ernal hyphen Earl hyphen Drax. Well, Richard Plunkett Ernal uh, Earl Drax. I'm poli- I think I'm right in, well I know I'm right actually, 
the um, current darling of the um, current darling of the of the media, Piers Morgan, is actually got a, a hyphen name as well, hasn't he? He's not Piers He's Morgan. He's called Piers Pugh Morgan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. And then question five: What links Dennis Healy, Nicholas Soames, and one of the Beatles? What middle name? Well, I could only think, and this is a massive guess, but the the only middle name of a Beatle I can think of is John's, which is Winston, isn't it? It was Winston, and it's that, that's that's the right answer. Oh, he, 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 Nicholas Soames, obviously, is Winston Churchill's grandson, isn't he? Oh, of um, course, yeah, 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 yeah. So of course, he I... was called Winston. Mm. Dennis Healy used to. I mean, I remember Dennis Healy um, saying that Mrs. Thatcher was used to like to pretend to be Winston Churchill in drag, but he was also called um, called Winston. Um, and I wonder, you know, I just wondered how that sort of happened. He was born in he was born in 1917, um, Dennis Healy, when obviously Winston Churchill was was already quite well known, wasn't he? So yeah. clearly there. And John Lennon was obviously called when he was born in 1940 and. Winston Churchill was, you know, by then a national hero, um, and then he changed his name, didn't he, to be um, to, to his middle name to to Ono. Mm. So he was called John Ono then, and, and uh, you know Nicholas Ono Soames. It's got a ring to it, hasn't it? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh, Prime Minister, I'm going to blub, as he said when he got a, pro- a promotion. Oh, darling, Prime Minister, I think I'm going to blub. So I, th- I, I, um, I, I, I'm going to award myself three and a half points there because I don't think I was far wrong you, with uh, Truman. I think, you, I think you've done very well. No, but I, I think it was a fluke because I, I guessed that definitely guessed the last two. I mean, obviously, I'm somewhere in the back of my brain. I, well, I knew John Lennon's middle name was Winston, but I didn't I know. know I too. think you've got. I think you've got four there. I mean, I think that's. I think that's uh, another solid I'm, four. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm because I what. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm happy with three and a half. I definitely knew Rodney. The others were a bit guessy, I think, and I, t- I certainly didn't know about Biden. But anyway, there we go. There we go. So Brexiteers of the week. If you got five, by the way, do tell us on Twitter. Tap oh yeah, us tell us. And, let us and know. also, if you've got any any fiendish political questions, then you know, then send them send them to us over Twitter, and, and we'll we'll read them out. That'd be great. Yeah, we um, like that. That's a really just good send idea. us the question, and then we'll one of us secretly will. We'll DM you, and then we we can we can read them out, and the other one can guess them. That yeah. would be really good. That'd be great. Yeah, let's do that. Good, let's do that. Uh, so, Brexit tears of the week. Yeah, um, nice and quick because with... there's people falling asleep now. They are. Yeah. <laughs> By yeah, the time yeah. this pod finishes, lockdown will be over. We'll have to do a new well, news listen, section at the end of it. <laughs> now we're into the now we're into rambling and digressing. I must say that um, I've mentioned this on this podcast before, but my lovely partner uh, Joe. Um, she often falls to, falls asleep to my podcast. She, she finds it soothing to listen to my boring, droning, Mancunian voice last thing at night, and she puts it on and she falls asleep to it, and we are not together at the moment because of this um, coronavirus thing. So, uh, But recently she's got into other podcasts. She, she only used oh, to really listen to, to this podcast. Oh, my God. And, and she told me the other day, and I've not, very much, we've not seen each other for eight weeks now and it's uh, we're, I'm, we're missing each other terribly but she said she's and it feels she's started falling asleep to the voices of other men on the podcast oh, oh, and man. it feels like Is it, it feels like I'm being cheated on it's like Steve, did you ring it when Steve I, I, I think we should start falling asleep to other podcasts <laughs> yeah. hey but so, listen it, now if she's falling asleep to the podcast I imagine she's put this one on by our four or whatever it is that we're currently on, she will be fast asleep. So we could 
we could actually we could do something that's probably very unethical, but we could, we could suggest do subliminal things. messaging. Right, it, let's try it out. Joe, buy Steve and Richard beer. <laughs> buy Steve beer. Have it sent to Richard and Steve. <laughs> buy them lockdown beers. You like them. Let's see if it works. Well, if, beer turn, if beer turns up for Let's me. Let's see if it works, yeah. We can do it again next week. Yes, every Send week. Money. She, obviously, she's, <laughs> obviously, she's then woken up by the bagpipes at the end and then, <laughs> yeah. and then has to turn it off. Um, right. <laughs> Remember the chap, this chap tweeted me and said, Borry, turn the bagpipes down. I almost crashed my car. <laughs> Uh, Brexiteer of the week. I'll go through this very quickly. I, I do. I don't know whether this is a proper Brexiteer of the week, but we, but last week we had Daniel Kaczynski on, who said that they, you know, who's a Brexiteer, who said there mustn't be a, a second referendum um, in the UK, and then said that he didn't like the Welsh Parliament and um, it should be shut down despite two referendums uh, having voted for it. So he didn't want the second referendum here, but he wanted the third referendum in Wales. Um, he this week um, has said that he wants a, he wants a third referendum in Wales because he can't go to the beach. He lives in Shropshire, and he can't go to the beach in Wales. Um, he said uh, the prime minister has told us we can go to the beach now, but then we're told we can't go to any of our closest beaches because we're in Wales. Uh, there are some golf courses in Shropshire which are half in Wales and half in England. Uh, people expect to hear a single united voice. Uh, so that's good. Daniel Kaczynski and Widdicombe. Yeah. Um, you might have seen her in the news um, saying that young, strong, healthy people um, should just ignore the government advice and go back to work um, to get the economy moving again. Um, I did want to mention, uh, it's not particularly controversial, just stupid um, but I did really like this bit from her Daily Express column this week. Uh, I can't do Anne Widdicombe's, oh, Jenny Murray. No, I'm not going to do this one. <laughs> she, she wrote, Jenny Murray, who is a Radio 4 presenter, isn't she? She Jenny is. Jenny Murray? Yeah. Jenny, I don't, I've never seen a picture of Jenny Murray, so I don't know. But anyway, go with me on this one. Jenny Murray says she now has to work from home because she's just turned 70. There could be no clearer demonstration of the futility of the rules of lockdown than that. And you read that and you go, well, that's nice. Anne Widdicombe is siding with somebody who is of her own age and all of that and is a woman. And that's really good. She continued, if Jenny is in danger, any danger at all, it is not because she's suddenly crossed an arbitrary age line. Good. It's because she is, uh, um, pardon me, a little bit tubby-ish. What? <laughs> what? If Jenny is in any danger at all, it's, it's not because she's suddenly crossed an arbitrary age line, but because she is a little bit tubby. Wait a minute, like, wait what? a minute, wait a minute. Who wrote this? Once Reminders. again, we, we, we ponder the idea that there are no mirrors in the Widdicombe <laughs> household. People um, in glass houses. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> in glass houses with no mirrors. Uh, Marc Francois, I don't know if you, have you seen the video of him clapping for the NHS? Uh, I've seen a still of it, weirdly. I haven't seen the video. Okay, so he's clapping for the NHS. He's sort of shouting over it about how great the NHS is, um, which is nice. He's oh, I saw a, you tweet it out. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing a he's wearing a very bold fashion uh, statement, which is a which is a rugby shirt, which has got horizontal black and white stripes on it. It's not very flattering, um, and it also, if you see, sort of looked out your window and you in Essex and you saw Mark Francois 
um, with a black and white stripy top on horizontal stripes, you would just think the Hamburglar has let himself go. Um, <laughs> well, he's got. But, I mean, I think the Hamburglar was furloughed, so it would be it would be quite possible that the, <laughs> the Hamburglar was you know, exactly, a loose end. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Ronald McDonald's let him, what about Karimus? Is he on furlough or has he just been, he's been made redundant? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Grimace was a strange one. Who else helped Ronald McDonald? Hamburglar Grimace. Um, um, anyway. Very odd time. Oh, there was yeah. Mayor McCheese was the cheeseburger. Right. He was like yeah, a, he yeah. was a mayor who was actually a cheeseburger. Yeah. I think they sort of lost uh, the other characters really, didn't they? They sort of fell away, I think. They seem to, yeah. I think they're still big in America. I remember the fir- um, I remember the first time I ever went to McDonald's. It's absolutely true. <laughs> I was about seven, um, and there wasn't a lot of money in my household when I was a young boy, and uh, never been to McDonald's. And a, a school friend invited me to a birthday party at a McDonald's. I had no idea what a McDonald's was, and uh, we went upstairs and sat on like mushroom chairs or whatever plastic yeah. things. And uh, it was in Dewsbury in West Yorkshire. There wasn't a McDonald's in Huddersfield at that point. And, um, in fact, when they opened the first McDonald's in Huddersfield, the Huddersfield examiner splashed it. It was the front page. <laughs> anyway, um, we sat around, and I had no idea. I didn't really even know what a hamburger was. And they were going around and taking our orders, and I just didn't know what to order at all. And the young girl next to me ordered chicken nuggets, and I thought, well, that's at, at least I know that's a thing. So I said, well, I'll have chicken nuggets, please. Um, and they came, and I'd never said... The only chicken I'd seen was, like, sliced. Um, I don't even think I realised chicken came from an actual bird, you know, and I saw these things and I was like, what on earth is this? Um, and then what I can only be described as a, perhaps my first moment of ecstasy um, was biting into that chicken nugget. I will never forget. It was like, oh, my God, I've never tasted anything like this in my life. Yes, it was, it was a, a sensation. Yeah, and I still like chicken uh, nuggets. But... Th- yeah. I wonder if people think that chickens lay nuggets. <laughs> younger, younger well, people. I, I didn't realise what chicken and then was. They out a bit of barbecue sauce. I honestly, I was expecting some sliced chicken and maybe maybe some you know chips. I didn't know what fries yeah. were either. I didn't know what fries were. I can't think of fries, no chips. Um, uh, Mark Francois, anyway, the Hamburglar. Um, at the end of January. Uh, here he was clapping for the NHS, going, the NHS are marvellous, in it? Uh, and at the end of January, he was on the Jeremy Kyle, uh, Jeremy Vine show, rather, not Jeremy Kyle show, uh, and he was reminded, um, it was obviously, it was Brexit, the day of Brexit day, and he was all excited, and somebody said to him, Mark, the Royal College of Nurses, the Royal College of GPs, the Royal College of Midwives, the Royal College of Radiologists, and the British Medical Association, have all put out a statement saying the NHS is going to be badly damaged by Brexit. And Mark Francois replied, that's their opinion, and at the end of the day, there's only one way to find out. Let's try it. (laughs) Hello? Oh, no, no, Steve. Hello? Hang on a minute. I lost you. Am I back? You are back. Wait a minute, let me just have a look. It, it was Did we a, get all of Mark Francois? Yeah, we got all of that, so it's fine. Uh, so let's right. have a look. 15. Sorry 15, about 15. that. No, right. My ear muted us. Your rogue ear. That's fine. You you just carry on exactly where you were. It, it, was, it timed it perfectly, actually. So just Great. carry straight on. That's very good. Uh, Jim Davidson mm. uh, is a Brexiteer of the week. The, he's a runner-up. He's obviously Jim Davidson is the comedian for whom the, fra- the, the term different times was invented. And he is, he's gone from Twitter, he's flounced off Twitter, 
Um, he said, there's some angry, jealous lefties on here doing my head in. God help this country. Um, and this was all in response um, to his uh, hopes for Boris Johnson's big lockdown speech uh, being ridiculed. This all happened Saturday, Sunday. And Jim, what Jim Davidson had put is he said, I hope Boris Johnson lets us be sensible. Let's open the golf courses and the marinas. Let's all be careful, but start living again. And, you know, obviously it's a double blow, isn't it? Because people made fun of him and all the downtrodden marina users of Britain have once again found their dreams dashed and, and lying in tatters. Um, what priorities? Golf courses and uh, golf courses and marinas. Um <laughs> Jim's pithy analysis. He says, I'm going to Facebook now. So if you want to follow Jim Davidson on Facebook, then obviously that's your own lookout. But you won't find him on Twitter anymore. Um, but what you will find on Facebook is, is Jim's pithy analysis of current affairs. And recently um, he was talking about, he, oh, he gave his verdict on Professor Neil Ferguson and um, his lockdown breaches. And do you know what he said about that? Go on. A man has, a man has, has to shag. A man has to shag. Well, I mean, Uh, I wasn't that surprised. I wasn't that surprised that Neil Ferguson wanted to get his hands on the stats. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, um, The tier of the week is Roger Helmer. Not for the first time, and hopefully not for the last time. Roger Helmer. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He he did a he did an amazing um, poetry reading from his front room, right next to a a huge sort of bronze <laughs> statue of Britannia with her boobs hanging out. Um, you'll know him as a former MEP. He was photographed resting his eyes in the UK parla- in the EU Parliament chamber. Um, and now, um, well, I mean, listen, just listen to this. He, he has tweeted, they say that 75% of Brits favour continuing the lockdown and favouring lives ahead of the economy. I fear they haven't fully grasped the appalling consequences of the lockdown for jobs and prosperity. Now, does this remind any of you listening to this of something else that happened recently where the percentage of people wanted something? I mean, it was a much smaller percentage. It was about 23% smaller than 75%. They wanted something despite the appalling consequences of it for jobs and prosperity. And then the people who pointed this out were just told to shut up and accept the will of the people. Um, so, um, so, so, Roger, but, I mean, I thought that was remarkable enough. Um, but quite a lot of people are saying, you know, these people who are saying we don't trust the will of the people anymore, who said six months ago we must trust the will of the people. He later tweeted, I think COVID-19 is a remainer plot to kill off most of the old people who voted leave. And I've got to say, if it is at all a Remainer plot, if, well, who's come up with it? Alistair Campbell, maybe, and us, you know, Andrew Adonis. If we've all got together and come up with this Remainer plot to launch COVID-19 and kill off most of the old people who voted leave, you've got to say, you wouldn't really launch it from a wet market in Wuhan, which is which is five and a half thousand miles from the UK, would you? Remain um, central. You might, launch, yeah. you might launch it in Skegness or somewhere like that. Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, okay. So Roger Helmer with his crazy conspiracy theories is the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, Roger. I think Roger might be. 
he's right up there with top two or three, isn't he? Of he's right up of the there. Week. He's up there with Farage. Someone yeah, must yeah, be yeah. counting these. Someone out there, we've got a multitude of listeners. Someone must be keeping track. If you are, please do let us know. I'd love to know. I'd love to know the actual table of who's top and who's. You know, I mean, uh, if we can get a top ten, that'd be brilliant. Um, Steve, what should uh, our glorious listeners do right now? Keep on listening. Um, our listening figures are as high as ever, which is wonderful, despite this lockdown. So thank you all so much. Um, you can um, you can go and leave us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice. It really does make all the difference. Um, you should join the New European Facebook Readers Group. You should uh, simply like the New European on Facebook. Of course, subscribe to the print edition. You can go to the New European uh, .co.uk uh, to do that. Uh, you can buy the print edition in shops out every Thursday. It's three of your English pounds. You can follow the New European on Twitter, at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me, at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. <coughs> Lost my voice there. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, go out and buy the printed product Smashing Front this week. Um, Lots of coronavirus, lots of politics, lots of Brexit, but lots and lots of arts and culture as well. Um, to offer you a little bit of respite in these difficult times. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, wake us all up with those wonderful bagpipes. Here you go. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.